Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. See website for details. I know we always, we, we can get, we can get really, really confused uh, on the times of, that we all get together for these yeah. kind of Zoom chats. This is what we've been doing through the whole pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, yeah, it's, it's been really interesting. Yeah, to say the least. We're up for the challenge, though, aren't we? Oh yeah, always, always. So, how have you been doing? Uh, you've been uh, performing a lot during the pandemic. Have you been doing a lot of those Facebook Live uh, kind of things? Um, it's been, um, it's been challenging for artists in the UK. Uh, a for traveling abroad because the pandemic uh, uh, had a lot of borders closed. Um, including to uh, England, the United States, and also within the UK itself, um, we had two, maybe three lockdowns, was it? And so um, live opportunities were were very few and far between. I got into doing, um, I don't know if you can see, but my trusty uh, very active guitar there, I got into doing uh, live streams uh, from Facebook and then uh, StreamYard, I think it's called, which enabled YouTube listeners. So I, I just got into the habit of doing that uh, very lo-fi, but at least a chance to uh, to play play to an audience and talk to them. Uh, got a Facebook group called Mixed Golden Gang, uh, and that was where I uh, played the live streams too. Uh, and I got you know got over a few hundred followers during the pandemic, so that was good from nothing and uh bit by bit things opened up again so last summer i played two three shows with my band uh including a london show uh, in yeah. august and london was london was quite slow actually because that had a bigger infection rate and all that for the um pandemic uh but we did play a london show last august with the band and then this year uh, I was booked for a festival last month, the Minehead Victorian and Steampunk Festival. So I just did me and my guitar on that one. Um, but yeah, it is starting to open up again. And uh, uh, during the pandemic, as I say, I was doing live streams and really just focusing more on pr- my production work, you know, reaching out to uh, um, sync, sync agents in the States, uh, Los Angeles mainly uh so i've now got sync representation for my music uh in america which is good because they can then go knocking on the double tv companies and film companies and all i do is focus more on producing the music oh cool yeah because you know you get to a point it was like well you know i I don't think i'm going to be on like the stage all the time but i like to do tv and film work in which there's a lot of that there's so much content now so you know you could really get out there and just add to a lot of these productions uh which you know there's there's tons of work for those kind of musicians if you're into doing that i mean there was a um there's a lot of lot of noise about kate bush recently running up that hill uh and I, I've just come back from Spain 
Bob, as, as I was telling you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we watched uh, an episode of that with a Kate Bush song on it. What was the series called? A mysterious. Uh, it's called Stranger Things on Netflix here in the States. I don't know if uh, you probably could get Netflix in the UK. I'm sure maybe their yeah. own version. But uh, I, mean, I was yeah. watching with a friend in Spain. It was was Stranger Things, yeah, and it, it was like very teenage and a lot of teenage angst in it. And uh, uh, you know, we're waiting for the Kate Kate Bush theme to come on, and uh, it came on. I th- I'm not sure, but I think she's her music's. Running at Bale's featured in every episode. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's really gotten a new life. It's it's really amazing. It's the gift that keeps on giving. That kind of thing has just been, I mean, how many years, decades old now? And uh, just to see that, yeah, resurrection. Yeah, it's incredible. So I'm really pleased for, for Kate that, that that's been a hit over in the season. It just shows that music that can catch on via a TV program like that can, yeah. um, can, can have a new lease of life for a song that song's what was it 30 40 years old or something running up there. yeah yeah it, it made top 10 in america but it didn't she didn't have a huge following over there uh it was i think number two over here in in yeah. england but now she's got like a young following that's interested in her music and running up the hill so it's not just a new lease of life for that one track but a new lease of life for kate bush and her music so that that's you know that's the power of modern tv and it's music and yeah. i think bob there's whatever's happening in the live situation the pandemic there's always going to be a there's always going to be a demand for content on tv yeah 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 with the streaming services too you would think well you know many many years ago it was just like you know the three big networks here in the states and i'm sure you know a few in the uk but it's expanded with the uh with the streamers and so that gives you so much more opportunity and uh, somebody like Kate Bush. And I remember her way back in college, back in the eighties for me, um, we were interested because of Peter Gabriel put her on his. So album. Yeah. That's, right. that's how we got to know about her. Don't so, yeah. Don't give up. Unbelievable. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Just beautiful. And also, I don't know if you can see it on YouTube, but at that time they, they were doing a series of collaborations, Peter and Kate. And there's a there's a British TV program, which they just did together, uh, and they're, they're doing a sketch together, they're singing together. If you can look it up on Google or whatever, Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush TV show. It's it's just a lovely moment. I I don't remember it first time round, but I, I I I checked it out. Someone sent me a link on on, on YouTube, and there it was. Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush in a TV show together, just yeah, and one of Renaissance guys having a cup of tea together and or doing all that sort of stuff, and it was great. Yeah. yeah, really incredible. Yeah, I look forward to his new album. It's just uh, wow, what an inspiration he is. I'm not, you know, I I talk about music. I'm not a you know producing music, but wow, what an inspiration. You talk about like Peter Gabriel or David Bowie, yeah. these kind of guys were just such Renaissance guys. And, and and personally, I think that was so was Peter's masterpiece, or one of them anyway. It was just so well worked. I, I've seen these documentaries about how the making of so, and Daniel Lanois, uh, his yeah. producer, he's one of my favourite producers. I'd love to love to work with him one of these days. But um, the, the what the two of them together was just such a good chemistry in the making of so, and you know it. For me, it stood the test of time, Bob. It's still there as a, an important piece of music. 
I interviewed uh, one of the guys who worked on the horn section for Sledgehammer. His name is Mark Rivera. Oh, yeah. I've known him for years. Okay. And, uh, he knew the minute they walked in and they were doing this arrangement, he was like, yeah, this is going to skyrocket up the charts. Just, you know, one of those things you don't really know a lot of the times, as you probably know, it's like, oh, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere, but yeah, yeah. you just knew it. But I think it was the same guy. Uh, Peter wanted that uh, horn section in because were, were they part of the Muscle Shoals or the um, Otis, Otis? He wanted something to do with Otis Redding. He wanted that sled mm -hmm. to be a tribute to Otis Redding, which I, I do with some of my trucks, actually, uh, just in going in a particular direction. And so he was thrilled to have these guys in there. Mm -hmm. Mark, Mark, I think Mark was on one of those documentaries about the making so, and he was saying uh, some, some of the, I don't know who the hell this Peter Gabriel was, but you know he got into it once he was there, and then yeah, yeah. loved the experience, and like you say, knew knew this was going to be something really special once he once he became acquainted with who Peter Gabriel was. Yeah, Otis Redding. You know, I'm here in Georgia, and I went to the Otis Redding Ranch. I did an interview over there once, many wow. months ago. Met uh, Otis's uh, wife, and she pulled out his old slippers that they oh. found him in from the lake in you know Minnesota where he went down. That was a little, little surreal. And uh, they, she took us into his den, and uh, there was this lazy boy, and there was a. A letter from President Johnson sending his condolences. Uh, yeah, Otis Redding. Wow. And I met Otis Redding Jr. He actually, we had to follow his car because it's like in this rural place in Georgia. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I was too young to sort of get into the Otis Redding thing first time around, but the YouTubes have seen. And uh, Peter Gabriel was talking about that tour he did, which really changed his life. And, and I just loved, I would have loved to have been there at the time when Otis hit England with his whole band and you know the footage of seeing him is just incredible form of the the studio music we've heard that he did you know muscle shells that string section mm. you know An incredible so artist yeah we we lose the good ones like way 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 too young Otis Redding and a guy named Jim Croce who Jim Croce Lord Brown yeah yeah uh, God hearing people like Steve Cropper talk about uh, Otis you know Steve co-wrote yeah. Uh, sitting on the dock of the bay and just that that scene just i i love hearing about those scenes and wish to be part of scenes like that myself uh yeah. even just the fly in the wall seeing the magic there you know peter peter gabriel kate bush steve cropper yeah. otis redding you know oh it's what legends yeah yeah steve worked with um uh jim's son who i've had on the show aj croce okay um, few years back they, they did a record very good record aj's just aj's got a lot of other um influences beyond his father although he has been covering his father lately but uh what a, another renaissance guy just amazing and uh just multi-talented yeah. so how did you get into all of this when where does your musical journey start uh i am from i'm from liverpool uh mm. and so even though I wasn't in that generation, the Beatles left a huge legacy, not just with Liverpool and the Liverpool culture, but with me. 
as well and i was, I was just up for coffee now with a, a guy who's a big beatles fan and you know we talk about the beatles hours and end because they were hugely influential one of the first one of the first bands that started not just singing in harmonies and as a band together but also writing their own music and in the beatles case john lennon paul mccartney and george harrison three world-class sing singer songwriters living a few streets apart from each other i mean you know what's the nearest we've got to that in america like motown i guess and, and uh you know uh, in detroit with that situation we, we had that in liverpool so i come from there and uh that was um just hearing how those songs were produced hearing how the vocals work together hearing how they harmonized uh, particularly john's voice i love love john's voice um but the you know the, the whole band together and then growing up with that sound and, and you know getting a little obsessed by the beatles how they work the stories i mean i i saw get back did you see that get back yeah yeah that's it's an amazing stuff you know I mean, compared about, to that original let it be i mean wow they, they really recreated that really recreated i mean the <laughs> talking about being a fly in the wall wow. the people i spoke to saw that it was like being a fly in the wall of this very important time in musical history where george was just leaving the band and that was that was a huge influence for me and um i also got into the blues um you know i i, I was learning guitar listening off records you know the old thing about slowing the records down and hearing what the guitar licks were doing and then speeding it up I, I was doing all that 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 was how i taught myself and listen to guys like eric clapton jimmy hendrix uh jeff beck you uh, know and then going back to their influences like the kings albert bb freddie all of those guys and then later on early fleetwood mac peter green's fleetwood mac mm. Yeah, good stuff uh, that so, so uh i i combined those two you know the sort of the the songwriting singing magic of the beatles with the blues sensibility which i've still got and with that i started working in you know with different bands in my teens actually in schoolboy bands um where we actually did a couple of eric clapton numbers thinking back in it just schoolboy stuff but stepping out and hideaway we played that live i wish we had a tape with these days which would just yeah. be curious to listen to but you know the sound was like lo-fi it was schoolboy but i went on from there to to join other bands when i went up to college then came down to london got involved in some teaching first in london then on to the session circuit so i came up through the session circuit as a guitarist and then as a um producers starting working with other people's music yeah. you know i i, I moved, moved down to brighton and uh gone into my own solo project which i call the world of mick as well as working with other people which i still do as a session guitarist and as a producer but also these days music for tv film and adverts nice nice so doing these solo projects how do they come together now that you your new release is out uh, so you know, tell everybody about uh, the, the, your newest uh, creation. It's, it's, it's not really interesting. 
It's not out yet, Bob. I mean, you, I, I sent you the, the master of it, but. Yeah, uh, by the time I probably will release this, we'll. we'll oh, okay. Yeah. Um, no, as we speak, it's not out, but um, it'll be the next few weeks. I'm talking to a couple of um, industry professionals in the next couple of weeks. Now I'm back from Spain. Um, yeah, it's The World of Mick. This is Mick 2, the follow up album to my first one which i released just before the panda uh pandemic uh late 2019 and that um got out on spotify and someone managed to get uh, two million streams yeah. on spotify uh apple music um you know all, all of those um platforms of good repute yeah, it that's how I found you. It was like through Facebook. It just like, you know, pops up. I mean, this is like, it's kind of cool though, how like it's just random and then it ends up in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, so that, that um, came out and um, did, yeah, did, a, did a, a few TV shows promoting that. I was flown to Belgrade a couple of times. They, they picked hmm. up my stuff in um, Serbia. Um, played some festivals doing that. Like the most recent one was the Minehead Festival, as I say earlier last month. Uh, and I've started playing live through my live streams and and, and some live face to face shows now. Songs from the uh, new album, the second album, Mick Two. Uh, <coughs> like I say, it's not out yet, but um, I'm hoping to get that one out on vinyl and um nice. physical physical form vinyl cd and cassette uh, as well as on the streaming services this time around so uh we're having a look at that at the moment but um either so far the, the five or six people that have heard it bob have really liked it and uh, i was a master <laughs> very favorable yeah very favorable <laughs> response so far yeah do you have artwork lined up for it i could kind of see a, a cool album cover uh yeah uh, funnily, enough, funnily enough i've I've speaking to the artwork guy later today actually just after this i've got another call uh in half an hour's time and then after that i'm going to speak to him or um he said tomorrow morning but he is he did the artwork from the first album uh we went for a kind of southern states railroad type um yeah shot for mick one you see a bit of that on spotify artwork yeah I, he he's a guy called Lolly weird who used to work for uh he's a good friend of mine but was to work for warner's warner music in the uk oh. sony records uh, i think it was london records before that so he had a um an artwork job for the major labels working with various artists like the orb and he did something for madonna um that kind of thing but now he's he's indie like me so we've 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 done a few shots uh round about his locations we've got one shot for the cover of the album but we're going to talk about what we do for the rest of the artwork you know what kind of font to do and uh, mm -hmm. uh you know what kind of text because I, I i i i've got the credits for the mick 2 album uh, but I want to make sure everyone's credited fairly. They want to be known like they want to be known, if you see what I mean, publicly. So he and I are going to go through the credits list. 
other pictures, what pictures would be good for Spotify, what pictures would be good for YouTube, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've got a call with him later, later on today or, or tomorrow morning. Ollie, that's yeah. the artwork story. But uh, you know that that will be happening in the next two or three weeks as well as a release. Nice. Now that artwork for your previous release is that all over your website? And where can we find your website? Yeah, the website is called um, www.mick.worlds. W O R L D, and uh, it's up on my uh, Instagram. There's some of the artwork up on Instagram, um, which is mick.worlds i think it is uh, and the facebook uh, mixed golden gang the facebook group mixed golden gang so those are my three main outlets for my artwork and then uh hopefully when the vinyl uh gets released it'll be the artwork in a larger size because one of the things we have these days in the, in the digital age is there's not much of a deal given to the artwork uh, in music which is just streamed you know you see a little bit on spotify you see a little bit on diesel or whatever but in the day of the vinyl and we've still got vinyl uh fans right it's a real still, treat to get something uh, on vinyl i think so i think so bob i think it's a treat and artists like me um spend quite a bit of time you know uh, on the artwork because it's an important part of the experience I, I think, I don't know about you, but putting on yeah. a record, seeing it spin or whatever, and then you having a look at the cover and saying, oh, okay, so-and-so played this, and we'll oh, like that picture there, yeah. that one there, that, you know. It's yeah. more, di more difficult to do on a stream. Uh, and, yeah, and when, yeah. when we had MP3s, there was, there was no artwork at all. It was just here's an MP3, it plays. Yeah, it's nice that you could take it with you when it's in streaming form, MP3 and everything. But then again, you're missing that wonderful artwork. Remember in the 70s? I mean, yes, look at those album covers and Elton John's original releases. Yeah, Roger Dean. Oh my, you get these huge booklets. Remember Captain Fantastic? What, what an amazing yeah. album. Pink Floyd, you know, the oh, hypnosis yeah. Pink Floyd albums. Incredible artwork, you know. Um, and... You know, I, I, I'm a musician, so I, I say music will stand the test of time. Peter Gabriel, we were talking about, and Otis Redding. But I, I think artwork, uh, good artwork, can stand the test of time as well. And we can still could still be talking about a Pink Floyd cover or an Elton John cover in, in 50 years' time. Well, maybe not you and me. We might be in some place else then, Bob. But uh, maybe the kids, the grandkids, yeah, if I yeah. hear <laughs> Yeah, that's great. You got a lot of good tracks on this new release. Uh, so what are your influences here? It's just, it seems like it's just, and it seems, feels very original. This is a really nice collection of songs. Um, you know, I think um, the, there's, um, the, the contemporary artists, I like what Billie Eilish is doing. You know, there's one or two dark songs on my album i don't know whether you've heard uh, don't you go it alone but that's sort of more on the spooky side of uh, my music um ed sheeran uh I, I like the way he just works one man and his guitar um yeah. I, don't I you like go out alone is a really good and you have a stripped down version of that uh, track too which can see seems like it would be nice in a scary movie don't yeah. yeah 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 a couple of people have said that actually but you know I, I had some people when i was making it questioning well why are you putting the same truck on with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, the same album, same song. And for me, it's it's not the same song, really. It's the same lyrics, same melody, but I'm doing a different vocal. And, and for me, it's a different track. It, it, it's, it, it's got a different feel to what the electronic studio multi-instrumental version is um so um i put i put two tracks in there called don't you go it alone but you know you listen to bands like pearl jam uh, and they they were quite often doing that they do like a band version and then do an acoustic version and i'm i'm happy that there's both versions going on the album yeah, nothing wrong with that i mean you know and maybe people would do that like as a b-side if there were a single or or a bonus track so i'm i'm used to that kind of thing if you're gonna hear a different version of the same song on the same release yeah so there were a few questions asked when i was doing that but uh I, that was my answer to it it's i'm treating <laughs> drugs differently different vocal and different feel same spooky lyrics but uh yeah you know um you might get you might get one say it went on TV. You might get one person saying, "Oh, would well, that be great for that scene, the acoustic version?" I can't possibly hear the electronic version going in there. But you get some might get someone else saying, "Oh, well, I really like that electronic version, but the acoustic version is too too little on it." You know, I want more of the band sound. So each to their own tastes. That's what I say. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. You have a kind of a comical uh, track on there, Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, yeah, an accordion yeah. on that. Yes, yeah. Um, I mean that was um, on the on the Mick One album. I did a protest. I made a protest song, which was popular in America actually when I was playing over there. It was popular live called "All Quiet, All Quiet in the Eastern Front." In that one, "All Quiet" Mick One was about my experience living out in, in Pakistan and the whole sort of edge of terrorism and something just about to happen. There was that when me and Ron Magnus, the Grammy winner, was working with for a while, we were out there. We sensed that edginess and the sort of the, the whole drugs thing. And it was the big heroin trade at the time, Here just on the border with Afghanistan. So it was all that. and. Uh, with this one, Friday the 13th, just a protest song about, you know, the ecology and uh, how, you know, it's my message about how we, you know, need to look after the planet more and, and take care of our planet. It's our home. We live here. Um, I'm just asking, please show someone more respect to the planet than than uh, we do or some of us do. So that that's what that song's about, Bob. Uh, and I wanted to do it in that sort of singer-songwriter protest format with just a minimum instrumentation rather than just well the whole band 
doing it. Just me, mm. my guitar, and then the accordion. Mm. And uh, you give the bass a bit of a workout on this release too. I think Gravity is one of these tracks that uh, really features a really nice driven rhythm to it. Yes, yeah. Actually, the the, the, the guy who uh, who made that program uh, when we were when we were just sketching out gravity he's he's passed on so uh i'm giving him a credit on the on the uh record justin justin jones but he uh and i had some great moments together in the studio and i'm really sorry that he's not around not in this room anyway but but he's not around to uh to listen to gravity um to the way it's come out because i'm i'm really proud of the way it has and I want to give him credit for that. And uh, I'm trying to remember. I might have played. I played bass on a couple of tracks. I might have played bass myself on that one. It was either me or, or Justin who'd done the original bass. But, so, do you have your favorite instrument in there? Uh, something that maybe has been with you a long time. You know, like Paul McCartney's Hofner. Uh, do, you, do you have something like that in your collection? Yeah. Um, I mean, the 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 Takamini, which had just taken to Spain. Actually, that's been around the world with me, the Takamini, you know, Singapore, New York, uh, Germany, Holland. And so I used that a lot. Uh, and the Fender Strat I still got. I played, yeah, played, on a, played a few tracks on the album with the Fender Stratocaster. That's, that's about 30 years old now, that Fender. But that's been to Pakistan with me where I wrote All Quiet. Oh. Uh, take it out to New York with me. Uh, Nashville, been to Nashville with that. Played on yeah. the session circuit for a while in Nashville. It's a good community up in Nashville. Uh, I talked to a lot of artists there. It's just a, it's a, it's a great non. It's not like LA, New York. It's just yeah. a real supportive community. I mean that uh, a friend of mine. I've just finished his album. Actually, it's it's now mixed and mastered for him. He, he's doing the artwork to finish his. Uh, bit now but he wants to go out to nashville with his new album he's a guy called mick flynn uh he wants me to come with him i don't know whether i can at the time but he's never been before so i was saying it's a great community very supportive the times i've been out there i've been lucky enough to play on sessions and also to be in the round you know they have this in the round these these house concerts where there's people you know i was, I was sitting next to Mel Tillis, who wrote Ruby Don't Take Your Love to Town, uh, another time's right to the right of Detroit, Detroit City. And like, here's me coming over from England, just doing my thing. And it's the same appreciation as the guy next to me who sold like 10 million more records than I have. It's just, it's a great leveler, the, the, the songwriter community in Nashville. I've never, I've never, never known anything as supportive as that where I've been. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of when George Harrison was, uh, I think he was jamming with Carl Perkins. There's some video of him doing that. It's like, this is so neat. I mean, here you are like on different parts of the globe and how the, you come together. And it's just so fascinating to hear how like Little Richard and these people um, inspired the Beatles. I mean, people who came, you know, from the States here and, you know, it was like, oh yeah, they take their transistor radios and you know, hide behind their parents and listen to something like Little Richard and Elvis and like, bam, yeah. it took this to a whole other level. It takes a whole other level, but like when I was coming up as a guitarist, you know, like listen to Jimi Hendrix records, Eric Clapton records, um, Peter Green records, 
and, and Fleetwood Mac, and that's how the Beatles did it. You know, they began their music in not online. You didn't have the internet in those days. You had records, vinyl coming in on the ships into Liverpool, and the Beatles would have their contacts to get it from the docks onto their record player. And then it'd be like Smokey Robinson the Miracles. They idolized Smokey Robinson, you know. And as it turns out, Smokey was very respectful to the Beatles as well, as he, he said. But Little Richard, Elvis was a huge influence before my time, but it was the same process of like right. learning from the recordings, hearing on the radio, hey, what's that? You know, I can still do that now. I can hear a good record on the radio and like be getting the goosebumps, just like mm -hmm. I'm in the studio hearing a good mixer. Wow, that's a fantastic track. I want to hear more of that. I'll go out and buy it. I'll go and get it and then play it. Yeah. Coming off the pips, it's, you know, that the, the, the Beatles were, were learning Tamla Motown songs from those records coming off the ships. Mr. Postman, that was in this set. Tw Twist and Shout, um, you know, the Isley Brothers, the Isleys right. were I went to see the Isleys um, in, in London a while back, quite a while back, and they played Twist and Shout there, and they, Ernie, the guitarist, I think it was, or Ronnie, one of the two, said on stage, this is a song where we'd made it in America, put it on a record, and then I got this phone call from John Lennon. I thought, who's this guy? Because the Beatles weren't famous then. I'd like to do your song. Can we do... Uh, twist and shout and sure yeah of course you can yeah and they uh that was the story the beatles made it famous um probably gave it a new lease of life uh, with just just hearing it coming off on the ships or a yeah. bit of radio you know that that can change people's lives it's changed my life hearing stuff on the radio yeah those inspiring each other that's really how it all works and it's, it's just fascinating to hear how they derive off of that and you create your own stuff yeah it's a uh, great feeling uh okay. you have one instrumental on this uh really oh yeah uh so was it just you get to a point where it's like i i'm just done with the lyrics at the moment or you just how do you get into just doing just saying i'm just going to dedicate uh, this track to just being instrumental actually there's there's two bob i mean there's there's one cool theme from zed cars okay which is the last track uh on side one what what i've done is like sequence the tracks as though it's side one and side two of an album so last track of side one is theme from zed cars which is complete instrumental there's no vocals on that at all and that's just me playing slide guitar playing the melody to this famous liverpool song uh called uh, theme from zed cars which was originally a johnny todd song which had vocals but the tv theme was the Zed Cars theme, which yeah. for those who know the football, they call it soccer in the States. For those who know the soccer, uh, it's the theme song for Everton Football Club, that one of the two big Liverpool clubs, uh, that when the home team comes out every match on the home game, they play that music. So I heard it and thought I'll do my own version of that, slide guitar version. So that's one theme from Zed Cars, but the other one is... I think called Really Miss You. Is that the one? Really um, Miss You, yes. That really stood out to me. I was like, this is, yeah. Forgot about the theme songs. But yeah, that's um, Really Miss You, just really just uh, very deep and emotional. Uh, yeah, I just I was curious about the origins of that. 
Um, can I ask you first before I start talking, what did it, what did it conjure up for you when you heard it? Did it make you think of a particular artist or band or? No, era? not anybody else, but just how nice and mellow it was. And then you have this tempo change and just, yeah, which I don't hear too much. And then you get a little, then, well, yeah, you have a little bit of bluesy vocal towards the end, but yes. mainly this is yes. like 90% instrumental. Yeah. So that just really jumped out of me. I never heard anything. I never heard anybody do something like that. Uh, I wanted it to be a tribute. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of a certain era, uh, which had guitar instrumentals, because I am, I can, that's how I came up as a as lead guitarist with, with the blues, um, which featured the lead guitar, but also had a tempo change at the end. And I wanted the focus to be on the sound of that track as an instrumental with a guitar playing the melody without a lead vocal. But with a tempo change, that kind of, it's like almost brings in a new song. It's part of the same song, but it is kind of a new song with that tempo change. So I've got a bit of vocal coming in. Really miss you? Yes, I miss you. Doing that. Uh, th that's the way I wanted the focus to be on that track. And I'm glad you picked up on that one, Bob, because uh, again, it was a bit of a risk. Some people, People were saying, well, why are you putting on an instrumental track? You know, you sing a songwriter, uh, you know, is that? And it's part of me. You know, I'm a lead guitarist as well as singer-songwriter. Um, John Mayer, look at him. He's a fabulous lead guitarist, but he's also a very well-known singer-songwriter. Yeah. And, you know, hats off to John for doing what he does. Thanks, John. Oh, absolutely. You know, nobody would have ever thought that he would uh, work with the dead. It's just you know, like, here's this huge uber pop star, but uh, it's just really, whoever would have thought, or, or even a Bruce Hornsby, these people who had huge charting songs. Totally, yeah. 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 So John, John's, John's got that freedom of expression to that. And he's also got his, uh, is it the John Mayer trio or quintet or something, but he's right. got a jazzier, bluesier thing that he does and i think that one is just instrumentals uh yeah. there's no songs in that one at all you know it's really tough with with lyrics i mean like you know there's certain artists like we talk about billy joel who just like he does all the lyrics and the music and he's he's out of lyrics he's like yeah. i you know I, I could do the music but i'm just i'm sick of the lyrics and there was just a special that Fareed Zakaria did on, on Billy Joel and he and Fareed, and this was my favorite question. He's, he asked Billy Joel, Hey, why do you do lyrics? He was like, well, because, you know, I got to sell records. I mean, this, you know, the record company is, you know, is looking for that. So it's, it's, it's about the sales, but real, you know, honestly, it's the hardest thing to do. And then you've got something like Sir Alton John who has somebody do all of his lyrics. It's, it's a tough thing. Do you find that to be difficult? Yeah. Um, you know, to quote Peter Gabriel, actually, he he's he said, if you've got something to say, say it loud. So with the lyrics, I won't say it unless I've got something to say. Uh, each song has got its own statement to it. So like Really Miss You, you know, I wanted the statement there to be something about a guitar 
that's electric guitarist that's playing the melody to that. But on other songs, say Don't You Go It Alone, you know, I want that to be said in a kind of spooky way from an experience I've had. You know, um, a bit of voodoo in it, the jungle wakes, you know, um, the atmosphere is black, all that kind of thing. I've had those kind of experiences. How do I put that into a song? I can make music for it, but I've also got some lyrics for it. That's the thing. So the, the lyric can help explain the song rather than just as a piece of music. Um, uh, and so, so it is with all my lyrics. You know, I, I, I know some guys that write poetry, and then other people help them turn turn that poetry into music. I mean, I've heard Bob Bob Dylan's like that. He, you know, a lot of his uh, songs start off as poems, poetry. And then further down the line, he'll, uh, you know, that's some me melody and some musical arrangements to it. Oh yeah, without a doubt, a total modern day poet. It's a, that that volume of work is truly astounding. Just when you think about his songbook, yeah, just, yeah very very deep. But yeah, one of my favorites is "To Make You Feel My Love." A zillion yeah. people have covered that. It's just yeah. a great great song i like your closing track of stroll on and it's to me i feel like there's this late 60s early 70s west coast u.s vibe was that kind of like what was influencing you there yeah um again it was atmosphere um uh, you know it, it it sounds like a breakup song and in in some ways it is because you know like beauty's in the eye of the beholder, music is in the ear of the listener. Um, but that that was actually about a band splitting up, a band breakup we had, and it's like my message to the the guy who uh, whose band it was, you know, like stroll on, you know, you've been well worth knowing, and, and hear me well on the path you're treading. Um, and so I wanted the references to be a bit like. The references we had in that particular band that meant something to me and probably something completely different to you or anyone else listening to it but it was coming from that and then i realized that um well actually this is a band's a bit like a, a marriage anyway and you know when a band splits a bit like a divorce so it, it's 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 like a breakup song uh, as well as a, a band splitting up song mm. and, um, somebody can relate to that yeah it's, I'll tell you a story about that actually. I was telling, uh, as I was um, re recording some of the stuff for it, I actually dreamt that, uh, you know, Paul McCartney dreamt uh, yesterday. That's a famous one. Right. Yesterday. Scrambled there, I actually dreamt the uh, guitar part in my head. I was like, and it took me a whole day after, the, luckily, I could like Paul did remember what the, the the tune was and it took me probably just over a day but a whole day to work out what the tuning of that guitar riff is to be able to play it and I did it in the end but it's not it's not a normal type of tuning I mean Joni Mitchell's famous you know she, she I think she's underrated as a guitarist as well as a massive massive songwriter singer that she is uh, yeah. the, the guitar tuning she used it's easy Bob to say I'm the first person that's uh, ever done that tuning because there's always someone else 
coming along and say, well, actually, no, this tuning was on the record 40 years ago by Joni Mitchell or someone else. But all I know is I've never heard that tuning before in my musical experience. And I dreamt it and managed to get that down uh, on the guitar tuning and then put it to tape when I wrote Stroll On. That was the start of Stroll On, just hearing that tuning in my head. Yeah, yeah. And Johnny Johnny Mitchell influence, yeah. Is, oh, is there a sitar that I'm hearing on there? Well, there is a bit of a sitar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is a bit of a sitar. Brings me back to Ravi Shankar and uh, George Harrison's concert with him. Kind <laughs> of, yeah, kind of. Because, um, you know, George, you know, so long you've been well worth knowing. I mean, he's been a huge influence in my life, not just as a singer-songwriter, but as a slide guitarist, I think he's one of the most underrated slide guitarists ever. Yeah. My first album was subtitled Mick One, The Way of the Slide Man, because there's quite a bit of me playing slide guitar in it. And who's an influence there? Dwayne Allman, George Harrison. Yeah. Bonnie Geniuses. Most like oh. that. Geniuses. Yeah. But on the conversely, Not For Sale, that seems like a pretty deep... Uh love tune is that uh to anybody in particular or just anybody who you want to conjure up that uh, you have deep feelings for yeah there's plenty of people i can conjure who have got deep feelings for <laughs> uh i mean mick, mick one was actually quite a bit about uh breakup and falling in love this one mick two's <laughs> more a, a few references you know to the subject of love breakup makeup finding love uh, but there's there's more subjects I'm talking about singing about on Mick Two than there is on Mick One. Um, Love is not for sale. I mean that's a co-write. You know, one of my collaborators, Phil Sarchi, who I worked with on the first album and the second album, Phil co-wrote that. So there's a bit about him in it as well as a bit about me. So I can't totally claim all the credit about the influences, but. Rest assured, when I'm playing it live, I've got someone in my head I'm thinking of where uh, it can have some extra special meaning when I'm singing it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for uh, speaking with me. We'll Very have well. this out uh, when your release comes out. So when do you expect this to be uh, released? Well, um, 1st of July today, it could be... Um, I've got a couple of call, calls coming up. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a, uh, a label guy in London next week, I think it is. He's been offline, he was saying, so he hasn't been able to listen like you have to the Masters while he was offline. Mm. Uh, um, so he's, he, when he gets back online again, he'll listen to them. Um, but I won't be releasing anything in the next week, but it could be in two to three weeks' time. Um, what's that mid mid second or third week in july or the beginning of august second or third week and it'll be around that time bob that okay. uh will be going out uh, and do, do you know there's a, a vinyl shortage at the moment i, I could even if surprised yeah six this label guy was telling me because he some of his bands on the major label and they've got to wait six months to get the stuff out on vinyl but there is a vinyl shortage which is great in a way because that shows that the vinyl demand is right up there yeah but from an artist point of view a label point of view it's it's going to be six months uh and i'd rather get the the album digitally out there 
within that six months or as I say the next few weeks even if I have to wait six months for the vinyl to come out um, that's physically how long it's taken them. I mean you know Jack White from the White Stripes oh yeah 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 Jack's supposed to have bought up I think it's three vinyl pressing plants in the States I didn't know that. Well, I'm not saying I'm not, not surprised with that one either because uh, he's very hands on. Yeah. I'm very hands on. I'm not a big fan of Jack's. He's done a lot of retro stuff recently, and I've seen him work with these retro artists in the 70s, 80s, and yeah. 90s. You know, it's like Buena Vista Social Club all over again. Uh, but he's a big fan of vinyl as well. And even with him doing that, and I don't know who else is having a go with the vinyl, if there's still a shortage, certainly in the UK for, 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 for UK artists. There's a shorter vinyl and a six-month waiting list to get it out. But we're working on it. We're working on it. Good deal. Well, the new release out, and uh, just been great speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. Really and thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. Thank you so much. Take care. Have a good one. Cheers, Bob. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye.